Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, we're back and it's a new beautiful week. Yes, feeling refreshed, feeling beautiful, skin's glowing. Yes. It's a little chilly outside, but the sun is still shining though, which is nice. I'm wearing my fall layers, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, more importantly, mm -hmm. I purged this weekend, Ryan. Oh, I love that. Did you cry? Did you throw up? Did you do ayahuasca? Not that type of purging. I cleared out my entire closet and wardrobe. I had someone come over. So how, what, you chose this to keep? (laughs) I hate you. She threw out so much. I had 10 garbage bags. I couldn't even imagine how that even fit into my So she was like a closet cleaner. She's a stylist, but she also will tell you just like what to throw away. I had gone through 10 years of stuff. Like I haven't gone through my stuff for that long. Yeah. And... It, it started just to get overwhelming. It was like, it was time you to You used to have a lot of stuff No. Still? You've been in my room. You know You're how like it was min- hard. You're like a minimalist Yeah, now. you know it was hard to uh, close the drawers? <laughs> yeah. Literally each one is half full. Wow. I have like, th- I have like three t-shirts. So wait, are you going to go shopping again? Like what does this mean? Is no, this a I new ha- era? This is a, a simplistic minimalist era oh, of Shira. Oh, She's going to be living in an RV before you know it. <laughs> It's starting. <laughs> but what was so sad is she made me throw away my lazy sweatshirts. Yeah. When she left, though, I went in and took three bags. I would have. Your lazy sweatshirts are needed. Like that's Thank a, you. Those are good comfy outside when it's raining, eating some ramen. I don't think you eat ramen. but I love ramen. Okay, well then eating some ramen when you're chilly, you know, it just feels like comfort. Well, shout out to producer Vanessa who joined in on the action and helped and coached me through it because I was getting some anxiety. Did you get anything? No, I was just her cheerleader. I was like, it's okay. Do you really need that? This is Shira 2.0. Who cares? You have like five of those. That was her cheerleader. (laughs) I love that support. Elevated Shira. Oh, yeah. That was was the main thing. Going into the new year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I threw out a lot. Come on. So there you go. Uh, I recommend anyone do that. Congrats. It's never too late. Thank I'm not you. doing anything, and you can't make me. Thank you. <laughs> Only when you want to, Ryan. Lots coming up on the show today. Where to go after quitting Facebook? We've got some options that aren't as big brothery, I guess. Uh, plus, a Kardashian engagement. That's in the T-Report in a moment with Ryan. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg defended paid family leave Sunday after Fox News host Tucker Carlson mocked him for taking paternity leave to care for his newborn twins. He said this on NBC's Meet the Press. When somebody welcomes a new child into their family and goes on leave to take care of that child, that's not a vacation. It's work. It's joyful, wonderful, fulfilling work, but it is work. 
Now, Politico reported last week that Buttigieg had been on paid leave since mid-August to spend time with his husband, Chastin, and their twin babies, Penelope and Joseph. And some very sad news today. Colin Powell, the first black U.S. Secretary of State, whose leadership in several Republican administrations really helped shape American foreign policy in the last years of the 20th century and uh, some of the early years of the 21st, has died from complications from COVID-19. And that's according to his family from Facebook. He was only 84. And here's uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Uh, we, We will certainly miss him. I feel as if I have a hole in my heart. Uh, just just learning of this uh, just recently. First African-American chairman of the Joint Chiefs, first African-American Secretary of State, a man who was respected around the globe and who will be, uh, quite frankly, it is not possible to replace a Colin Powell. And that was some What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, so uh, one of the Kardashians are engaged, and I got all the tea. It's time for the tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Travis Barker and Kourtney Kardashian are no longer a joke. They're actually getting married. And um, I'm very shocked. I'm very... I don't know what this means for Courtney. She's changed her whole personality for this man. She's really a rocker chick now. It's pretty, it's really interesting to see. It's kind of like an episode of Khloe Kardashian's body show that she did where she transformed people. But like if it was a rocker and Courtney Kardashian was the person she was transferring. Anyway, the pair who have been dating for about nine months are engaged after uh, Travis proposed in Montecito over the weekend. Um, He asked Kardashian um, to marry him at the Rosewood Miramar Beach Hotel, Mm. surrounded by an elaborate display of red roses and white candles. Guess what he wore? He didn't wear a suit, of course. He wore a black and white striped shirt like he was Beetlejuice. Um, And dark pants, while she rocked a flowing black ensemble. Now, she confirmed the news by posting two pictures from the proposal. Let's talk about Scott Disick, though. Because... He's not taking it well. Yeah, that's her ex. He's not taking it well, according to some sources. A source exclusively told Page Six that um, people are checking in on him. He said this, Scott is going crazy. He's going to go off the deep end, and it's really bad. It's about to go dark. Yikes. I know, right? What a way to end the T-Report. But that's it. Um, I have to tell you next hour about how you can win tickets to our big concert, The We Can't Survive, with people like, you know, Doja Cat, Shawn Mendes, Coldplay, all the works. They're going to be there, and you could win your access to it. Just listen up next hour. Great. Well, next up, we remember Colin Powell, how he shaped America. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Colin Powell, the first black U.S. Secretary of State, has died from complications after contracting COVID-19. That comes from a statement from his family. He was 84 and vaccinated. David Cohen joins us right now, senior editor at Politico. Thanks for being here. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, this seems to come out of nowhere, even though you say 84. It seems like someone's older, but it's still surprising. How has this impacted the political community today? Well, it seems to, as you said, have come out of nowhere. You know, I think as a society, we are so used to hearing stories about people with various illnesses. He had cancer years ago, I know, um, that we kind of just don't expect that this kind of thing will pop up all of a sudden. But, of course, 
you know, life has other plans, as they say. Yeah, and I can't help but think about, obviously, the political side of this. And I know earlier this year he said he no longer called himself a Republican. But it also feels like Republicans like him just don't exist anymore in this new, like, post-Trump era. Is that something you could also agree with? It seems, obviously, we, we have a more polarized world than we did when he was growing up, let's say, or in the 70s when he first um, came to some prominence, where we no longer have parties that the Democrats used to have liberals and conservatives in them. The Republicans used to have liberals and conservatives. Now people align all in one direction, and if you're someone like him who seems to have occupied a middle ground, there is not necessarily good home for you. Definitely. So let's talk about a bit more about who he was and what he represented for this country. Well, a big thing to me, I mean, he came from an unlikely background to become someone who, at least in the 1990s, was probably the most respected person in the country. Not only was he African-American and then had to overcome um, racism to rise through the military, but he was, I think, the highest-ranking person in military history who did not attend a military academy. So he had to overcome an internal um, prejudice within the system. You know, every business, every profession has internal prejudices, and the military has long understandably favored those who come through the academies. So he had a really remarkable rise and stood as a symbol of a remarkable rise, what one could still accomplish in this country coming from virtually nowhere. Yeah. And, and so what are we hearing from other politicians today? I know a lot of people have spoken out. A lot of people obviously have, have praised him widely. There are some folks who have focused on specific aspects of his career and personality. I know uh, among certain folks on both the left and the right, there's still some sting attached to his famous 2003 presentation at the United Nations, which was supposed to prove that Iraq had nuclear weapons or was creating nuclear weapons and led us into that war. And, of course, turned out not to be true, um, but there seems to be a general emphasis on his leadership ability, on the role model he served to be, and uh, on how he was, you know, considered an honorable leader. You know, we all have lapses of things that, you know, we say or do that don't come out so well, but that seems to have been the focus. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us today. That was David Cohen, Senior Editor at Politico. Thank you again. Thank you for having me on. Next up, how unions are using tech for their labor battles. We get into it after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As different industries are going on strike, they are taking advantage of tech more than ever before in their labor battles. Danielle Abril joins us right now, technology at work reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what inspired you to write this piece? Obviously, it's an angle we're not seeing talked about. We know about all the strikes, but this is something really interesting that you decided to touch on. 
Absolutely. Well, um, it was really interesting. First, we were seeing, obviously, what you're seeing, which is this um, labor movement that just seems to be getting stronger and louder. Um, but we were, what we were also seeing was just some interesting takes on how they were making waves, on how they were getting people to learn about their stories. And it sort of inspired this question about, well, what exactly are they doing and how are they doing it, especially in a pandemic, uh, pandemic atmosphere, when it's kind of hard to connect. Yeah, and I, I love that we see social media playing such a huge part in this. Can you talk a little bit about this and how we're seeing, you know, unions and these stories being told, being leveraged through social media? Absolutely. So uh, social media is actually being used two different ways. Um, One as a a medium for internal use and to help connect um, members across the board so that they know what's happening so that they can ask their questions in a confidential environment and and feel connected to each other and and understand what's at stake. So that's happening like on WhatsApp and Facebook groups. Um, But then the other side of social media, right, is the public facing side. So the Twitters and the Instagrams and just like the public Facebook pages and union members and uh, worker activists are really finding that as a venue to make some noise and go viral with, with really interesting stories and photos of just how hard their fight has been. Um, and I'll tell you, some of these stories and photos, they're really impactful. Wow. Yeah, they are. And is there anything coming up around these uh, post-AI underscore stories, IETSI, you know, the strike and everything happening that's talking about just really horrible working conditions. Is there ever a fear of that being used against any of these workers by um, their bosses or the companies they work for? Yeah, so what's really, what they're they're doing that's really interesting is, especially that example you brought up, the IA stories, which is an Instagram account uh, run by the members of the International Alliance of Theater Stage Employees, and those are the Hollywood workers that we heard about. Um, so the interesting thing that they're doing there is they're doing it anonymously. So the, admin, uh, the administrators of the accounts are inviting workers to tell their stories through DMs. So they're saying, send us a DM of your story. And then when they do post the actual story, they're blanking out all identifiable information, including if they do it accidentally, if they include any kind of identifiable information in the actual stories. So they're just blacking that all out to save uh, the identities of these people so that they can have a safe space to tell their stories and also inform the public without any kind of retribution um, for their jobs. I mean, a record 4.3 million quit in August of workers quit their jobs in August right here in this country. What are these companies going to do about that? I mean, are, do you think we'll see any change? I know IATSE specifically is a, the Hollywood version, but this is happening in so many different industries across the country. What do you think is going to happen here? That's a great question. And, and honestly, I, I wish I had the answer to that. Um, I, I think I I think companies are starting to realize that they have to listen to their workers um, and they have to listen to what their workers' experiences have been. And if they don't listen, the workers are going to tell their stories regardless. And that's how they're getting so much traction, right? Social media through all these tools. Um, So as far as what the companies will do, I mean, your guess is as good as mine, Um, but they're definitely not going to, going to be able to to keep workers quiet. 
Yeah, that is for sure. It is wild to see what's happening across the board. And yet still people need to work. Uh, so I guess the question is what will happen? What's going to give? Something's got to give. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I think, you know, at least with the Hollywood workers, you know, we saw some deals getting reached. Um, I, I don't know. On the other ones, I think the strikes are still ongoing. So it's unclear if if folks are going to be able to come to the negotiating table. But I think, you know, as companies lose money, if their workers go on strike, I mean, they do. There is something that has to give. And if the workers aren't willing to do it because they're, you know, unifying in solidarity and they're finding support through different accounts, through GoFundMe, through all these different technologies, um, you know, I think, I think companies are really going to have to think about what their workers are saying. Definitely. Well, that was Danielle Abrell, Tech at Work reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Next up, are we ready to see this tradition of naming your child go away? We debate that. Oh, yes. Please go away. Well, we have to tell them what it is. Oh, I thought we were naming our child go away. (laughs) (laughs) Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Different families have traditions of passing on names. I don't know if this happens in your family, Ryan. You know, you get a name from the dad's side or the no. mom's side. Maybe you're named after a grandmother well, or a my, grandparent. My middle name is after my dad. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Was that a thing that his side would do? I don't know. I don't know him. Oh. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> I was just, I was just, you know, being brought into there, into that. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, I, it was just my dad's name. I got, I got his uh, first name and his last name. Oh, so yeah, so he passed down. Wait, your dad's name was Ryan? No, I got his, I okay, got now, his first name, which is my middle name, and I got his last name, which okay, is got his it. last. Yeah, name. all right, I'm getting confused. <laughs> well. This is I might have said it confusing, my bad. That um, happens a lot, and this came up in an advice column where this person was saying... Let's talk about ugly baby names. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, th- th- that because this name needs to be passed on, it's just together with the first last name, it's not good. It is ugly. And what do you do 
if, you know, some of these names are also old timey, you know, they're like older names. You wouldn't name maybe a baby right now. Yeah. And it doesn't feel modern enough. <laughs> yeah. So like, what do you do with your partner? How do you tell them that this might not work? Well, here's the thing. I would never give my partner a chance to give my baby an ugly name. So, I, and I think, I, you you know, you just got to be honest about certain things, especially if it's like a traditional thing. Like, I, if I'm being quite honest, I hate doing like, I hate when families do like the third or the fourth or the second or the, I hate that. I'm just like, that's so annoying. Why are you not giving your child some like an identity that's their own that instead of your unless they're like a part of like, you know, a, a monarchy or something where they're actually like the princess. What if it's their own? I just I just find that to be so like. Ugh. Well, the thing is and I've dated different people with that situation and they end up having another name anyway. Right. Then what's the their point? Legal name is this. What's the point? And then they're yeah, they're just nickname give them their nickname. Else. Then if you want them to have a nickname, then give them that nickname. But I think, you know, I don't know. I know this is a current article, but I feel like when it comes to like maybe like queer folks, but to be honest, I don't even know. Cause I don't even know what that would look like. I, I want to have an interesting name. Um, but I also want to have like a name that's not going to get my kids like bullied or anything. Like I don't want them to have a sucky name. I know names it are really, everything. Yeah, it's a currency. It creates your identity. When I was in a younger, crazy way. I had an idea of what I wanted to name because I really loved my last name Mitchell, uh-huh. and I was like, oh my god, what if I have someone and like a, uh, a a son or something, and I name him Mitchell Mitchell? Oh god, I would have to be famous enough to get away with that. But yeah. I have thought about that. But that's oh, awful. No. Now I would never do yeah, it. Yeah, please don't do that. My, if I have a daughter, her name is for sure Penelope. Well, that's cute. I know, right? That's a nice name. I, you know, Shira is my given name. It's not like I made that for no screen. No one can pronounce it though. They learn. <laughs> it's true. Everyone says. And Shire. I wanted though when I was younger, very basic name. I think I've said this before, Stacy. But all right, Hi. I I don't know. It's so basic. White was girl. that the girl from Clueless? Uh, no, that's Stacey Dash. That yeah, Stacey Dash. Not going to bring up my partner, but his is Antonio is his real name. And he wants to name our child after him because he's Antonio the second. Wait. <laughs> my current boyfriend. His name is Antonio, really? <laughs> Antonio. I thought his name was something Antonio. else. You don't go Antonio. It's Antonio. I'm not going to say any accents that are offensive over he here. He tells me. <laughs> he's Portuguese. Chris is Portuguese? Yes. Okay. That's not white. I thought Chris was a white man. <laughs> He's white, obviously leaning. Okay. Next up on the show. Not meet, Chris being a man of color. What happened? Meet the person who could become Georgia's first out queer Muslim elected official. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yep, we're back and we've got more music coming up right here on Channel Q. Stick around for that. In the meantime, we've also got more show coming up. Mm-hmm. Why Billy Porter is calling out Vogue and Harry Styles. That's in the Cheer Report in a moment. Plus, could a psychedelic ego death bring you back to life? What we're are we talking break about? Break that all down in 30 minutes. Wow. Is that intriguing? That's intense. <laughs> right? First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Atlanta City Council candidate Liliana Bakhtiari could become the first out queer Muslim elected official in Georgia history. After struggling with their identity growing up, they said breaking this barrier would mean everything. Uh, And this is according to an article in LGBTQ Nation. They said, I didn't come out 
to myself until I was 23, but I knew I was different when I was in preschool. The idea of being able to be elected, getting to be my whole self, is never something I thought would be celebrated. They hope their campaign encouraging encourages a more diverse range of people from underrepresented communities to run for city government. So uh, check out Liliana Bakhtiari. You might be seeing more of them in the future, hopefully. Now, Governor Pete Ricketts from Nebraska revealed a new video to encourage young people to move there or at least visit. (laughs) I want to go ahead and show the clip that is on our website, thegoodlifeiscalling.com. So, Ryan, let's go ahead and just run our uh, little video clip here so we can give people a feel for what we're talking about. You want to be great, start with good. You know, like good friends, a good job with good opportunity. Is that good? good nights and good mornings. So that's their motto. If you want to be great, start with good. Because, you know, Nebraska's might not be great, but at least it's good. <laughs> Talk about tourism. Oh, my God. That marketing is quite interesting. I just thought that was pretty cringy, and I was laughing at that. But thought I'd share that with you today. Not sure if that's okay if you're laughing on your that, own. Uh, makes you want to move to Nebraska. If it made you laugh, then that's all that matters sometimes. Thank you. Happiness. Thank you. That's self care right there, folks. Yes, through the show. That's what I do here. <laughs> now, Amazon plans to add 150,000 temporary workers in the U.S. for the holiday shopping rush. So if you're needing a holiday job, this could be it. It's a 50% increase from the company's holiday hiring push a year ago. The company's holiday jobs this year have an average starting pay of $18 an hour, higher than Amazon's 15 minimum wage, sign-on bonuses up to $3,000, and an additional $3 an hour in pay for certain shifts in some locations. And that's according to an announcement Amazon put out today. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Woo! Billy Porter. I don't know what triggered him this morning, but he has some things to say. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, um, yeah, you remember when Harry Styles was on the cover of Vogue in that dress situation? Everyone was praising him, being like, oh, my God, so Jennifer Yeah. Well, Billy Porter is basically trashing Vogue over its decision last year to make Harry Styles the first male cover star and to be style, uh, to uh, style him in a dress on that cover. He said this in a new interview. Billy Porter did. He said, I changed the whole game. And that is just not ego. That is just fact. I was the one doing it, and now everybody is doing it. He said, I feel like the fashion industry has accepted me because they have to. I'm not necessarily convinced. Here's why. I created the conversation, and yet Vogue still put Harry Styles, a straight white man, in a dress on their cover for the first time. Now, he claimed he was attacking Vogue and not Styles personally. Um... He's just trying to, you know, use this moment to have the conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's needed. Harry Styles is not non-binary. Does he push gender uh, boundaries, I guess, uh, for where he comes from? We, I mean, but we see that. Billy Porter, like, this is a great conversation that he's bringing to the forefront. Yeah. It's not a new conversation, though, because, um, you know, non-binary folks and trans folks have been saying this about cis folks um, forever now. 
uh, I was going to say the word that the, the nickname that they give them, like the sissies, the C I S S I, just like sister. That's the, the right way to use it. Um, yeah. And he said this he doesn't care. He's just doing it because it's the right thing to do. He's talking about Harry Styles here. This is politics for me. This is my life. I had to fight my entire life to get to the place where I could wear a dress to the mm. Oscars and not be gunned down. All he has to do is be white and straight. Points were made. <laughs> That is true. And then be praised for it like he was doing something very different. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't different. Um, I did like the cover, though. Um, but anyway, um, thank you so much for Billy Porter for always, um, you know, speaking up, speaking out. Right now, I have some other tea to share. It's about Odyssey's We Can Survive at the iconic Hollywood Bowl happening October 23rd. This Saturday, it's sold out. Yeah, you're probably wondering, why am I even making this announcement? Well, don't worry. Channel Q has your chance to win. Um, Because I know you want to see Coldplay, Doja Cat, Shawn Mendes, Kid Leroy, Black Eyed Peas, and newly added Maroon 5. Tickets are sold out, and the only way in is to win. Just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter to win four great seats and a hotel room for the night. So you can get drunk, do whatever you need to do. You know, properly, and then I have a nice, safe trip to the hotel to get some rest. You know, Odyssey's We Can Survive benefits the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Good luck, and honey, we will see you there. That's yes, your T report. We well, next up, why food became a spearhead for gentrification. We're getting into that after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. What are the early signs of gentrification in a neighborhood? Well, according to one researcher, it is food. And this is something I think we can all admit to we've seen, right? Where it's like food trucks pop up in communities that um, would have had like low income uh, communities in the past. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, oh, these taco trucks that are selling you know, food for it really high prices. Taco trucks. It's like Korean barbecue trucks. It's like it's like these fusion, yeah, like mixtures of or just, coffee yeah, shops. They're like it's it's really expanding to you know. I mean, it's really incredible to watch, but it is impacting the neighborhoods around us. Definitely, and not for good way uh, things in yeah. ways. Pascal Joazart Marcelli joins us right now, a professor of geography and director of urban studies and food studies programs at San Diego State University, also the author of, and I was inspired by this, The $16 Taco. Welcome to the show. Ooh, that just triggered me. Thank you. Well, how did you start to witness this relationship in your own community of San Diego? Well, um, this started many years ago um, when I was, I've been doing research for about a decade looking at uh, low-income neighborhoods um, and looking at access to fresh and healthy food, trying to understand why these neighborhoods don't have supermarkets and grocery stores, and also looking at how people um, try to deal with that situation by, you know, opening businesses, running uh, ethnic stores, selling in the streets, uh, growing food in community gardens. And what I started noticing over time is that more and more people were coming in these areas, and I'm talking about college-educated, fairly affluent, mostly white people who come to these areas in search of great food experiences. Mm -hmm. And I really began to worry about what the impact of that was on the community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Mm -hmm. some ways, it may be a great thing. It's generating income, supporting businesses. But in other ways, I felt like it was potentially creating displacements and um, hurting the community. And that's what got me started with this project and got me started with this book called The $16 Taco. 
Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Because I feel like when people get new food trucks in their neighborhoods, it's kind of like you only hear about the, oh, this is really cool. There's, a, there's a, something super close. I can just walk up to it. This is, You never really hear any complaints about how it's affecting the neighborhood. Why, why do you think that's kind of the only way that we see it in media coverage? Well, I think part of it's part of it is who's looking at it, right? And so when you're looking at people on social media or in the media, very often we all love food, right? I mean, we get excited about food. Mm-hmm. We get excited about new restaurants. We think it's cool. Something hip and trendy is happening. And so people get excited. And we often also think of all these places as neglected. Uh, you know, we often call them food deserts. Even yeah. this idea of food desert suggests mm-hmm. that there's nothing there, which is not really true. But we kind of ignore what's already there. And we see any new thing happening in the neighborhood as a positive, And we kind of blind to the fact that maybe it's not as positive as it sounds for people who are there. And I've been, you know, running restaurants and trying to live their lives and survive and put food on the table um, for a long time. And we yeah. sort of through these narratives, we kind of ignoring what they actually already doing and dismissing it. Yeah, well, then how how can we find or is it possible to find a balance where as these neighborhoods get developed, there are more things coming up there? It, it attracts more people while not, uh, I would say, killing off what was already there and the people that made that neighborhood what it was. Mm-hmm. I think it's I mean, that's really the most challenging question, right? It's what we do about this like i don't mean to say that we should stop going in these neighborhoods i don't mean to say that we should not uh patronize these businesses but ultimately we really need to pay attention to who's benefiting from this Mm. is it outsiders who go in for a great experience or is it people who live there and get to you know build equity Mm. and uh, generate jobs and generate income and it's not going to happen unless people have ownership and control over what they're doing. And unfortunately, what we see right now is a lot of people being displaced, whether it's businesses old businesses who can't afford to stay because the rent goes up and they're competing with more trendy, cool, um, you know, trucks or whatever it is. And uh, we also see residents that are really struggling because as the neighborhood become more trendy they um they can't afford to stay anymore and they also there's this emotional connection where people don't even feel like they belong anymore you know Mm, they they see these places that advertise like authentic food but it's not authentic to them like what does that mean what is authentic who decides what's authentic you know yeah it's it's really interesting um, how you just kind of see like you know colonization kind of work in, in, in all of these, even the food. I mean, that's something that is often brought to the table about who is actually cooking what, what's making it authentic, and are they actually cherishing it? And when we see that in, 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 in I guess when it works together with gentrification, it can be something that can really ha- be harmful if it's not done correctly. Right, right. Well, thank you yeah. so much uh, for joining us and for sharing more about your work. And of course, Everyone's got to check out your book. It's called The $16 Taco. That was Pascal Joazart Marcelli, professor of geography and director of urban studies and food studies programs at San Diego State University. Thanks so much. Wait, real quick, real quick. Did you enjoy that $16 taco that you named your book after or was it awful? (laughs) I actually never tried it, but so many people mentioned it and got really upset about it. I would too. Um, Yes. 
Burritos, too. Oh. I don't even want to talk about what's happening. I would pay $60 for a burrito if it was healthy. And, yeah, you know. a big one. Yeah. With taxes and tips. It gets expensive. <laughs> but not these small-ass tacos Yeah, that's out true. Here. All right. Thank you again. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, next up, what does an ego death mean and how psychedelics are being hailed as the solution? That's next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So we've discussed how psychedelics can help with trauma, PTSD, anxiety, and depression in the past on the show. And some experts are saying a part of this is killing your ego. What does this even mean? Well, Matt Johnson joins us right now, professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Thanks for being here. Mm, You're welcome. Well, let's get right into this. Oh, let's talk about drugs, baby. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to have an ego death when I say that? Because that just to start the conversation, someone might not even know what we're talking about. Me. She's talking about me. <laughs> A lot of us. <other> <laughs> well, you're not the only one. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a term I can't I have to say there's going to scientists won't even agree on whether the term ego should be used. But it has roots going back to Sigmund Freud and other psychoanalytic thinkers. It essentially means your 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 self concept and, and 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 your your sense of self that is, you know, very much something that you you guard and that you defend. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of rationalization to um, you know, defend, you know, that, you know, it wasn't your fault, it was someone else's fault or it was you know the situation's fault the ego is essentially a term used for that 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 sense of self and that you know kind of always you know trying to go through life looking at things from your perspective trying to get the best 
outcomes for you as a person. That's what ego means. Huh. So when that dies, does that mean your experiences that you've lived through kind of go with that and you're just kind of having some sort of rebirth? Wow, I just sounded really yeah, heavy. It, it, yeah, and so it's, you know, ego death is a, lo- is a loose term. And again, you'll find disagreements uh, amongst scientists even in terms of whether they'll acknowledge that. But it's essentially a description for this psychological experience that quite frequently can happen at a high dose of psychedelics where someone has an overwhelming sense of unity Mm. instead of feeling like their normal everyday self they 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 have an expansive um an oceanic uh, identity they 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 feel at one with the universe they feel at one with the rest of humanity one with the planet um it can be expressed in many ways but you know, and and sort of stepping outside of this very, at the very basic level, we consciously operate from a, you know, there there's me, and then there's the rest of the world. There's, you know, you can call this subjectivity and objectivity. There's me, and there's you, and them. You know, there's this stuff inside me, and there's everything else. Mm-hmm. And that basic divide essentially breaks down, such that instead of you know, perceiving oneself as as an agent, as an actor going about the world. Um, One has an experience where one is flowing as a part of the world, where there is no separation, you know, between they and the rest of of the world. Um, The actions that they they engage in in the environment, it's sort of all one. Yeah. Matt, you're talking about, yeah, breaking of your identity. You're not the mom. You're not the... Uh, whatever you say who you are, you're just like right. uh, like the energy this uh, here. Let's get practical about this. Tell us more about how your research looks into all of this and how then it, it impacts maybe how someone continues in life after that experience. Mm-hmm. So we've looked at this construct of of mystical experience, which which so-called ego death is a part of having that sense of unity. And we found time and time again that having that that mystical experience, which also can involve a sense of timelessness and spacelessness and, and a sense of ineffability, but that the experience was beyond words. Um, people that have these sort of these key features, um, including that ego death, they, in their psychedelic session, seems to have positive outcomes um, six months a year later, whether we're talking about, you know, healthy people without any disorder, just being um, having greater psychological functioning, having greater personality openness, or whether it's people like the work we did with cancer patients um, who had substantial anxiety and depression about their cancer. Those who had a mystical experience were less anxious and less depressed six months later. People were using psilocybin to, to help people quit smoking. And those people who have a mystical experience are, 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 are less likely to be smoking six months um, later. So time and time again, they're seeing, it's telling us that there's something about, it's not just getting psilocybin into the brain and hitting a certain receptor. It's about the type of experience you have and what you learn from it that determines whether you have long-term benefit. Um, Yeah, well, we want to continue this conversation and talk about 
how to do this safely because I feel like we talk about a lot of this and I just want to make sure people like because you're a, someone in the medical field you're not just a random person who's like facilitating this and there are a lot of uh, actual therapists medical professionals doing this so we just want to get into um, that and how does this become more accessible to everyone different communities that's next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back with Matt Johnson, professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, talking about breaking down your ego, ego death, and psychedelics. Uh, Again, Matt, thanks for being here and for the work you're doing. Let's just uh, get into how to do this safely and uh, what you would suggest to folks who are just learning about this. Yeah, so I, it's important to note, you know, I'm, there are dangers and I don't encourage anyone, you know, to, to, to do this on their own. There, there are risks. Um, that said, I'm all about informing people what the realistic risks are if someone's going to, 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 to use one of these substances. Um, you know, better to use in um, less risky circumstances than more risky circumstances. So, you know, people... Um, uh, certain people who have a, who are dealing with psychotic disorders like schizophrenia, it appears they could be worsened by having experiences with psychedelics. Um, also, anybody can at a high enough dose can have a bad trip, basically meaning panic and do something um, that can get you know sometimes can get themselves hurt um, because they're panicking during the experience. So it, it's always best when people are having these experiences when they're they're not the only one that there's a so that there are sober folks who haven't taken the drug who are able to 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 look out for them um that the person's not interacting with strangers um a person is always you know safer when they know the source of their uh, of what they're taking and um and, and the dose that they're taking um, and it's, it's important for the physical environment to be safe. You know, it, it, it's, uh, someone should be in an environment where, you know, that's comfortable and that's not anxiety provoking and that, um, is really, you know, one that can facilitate the experience rather than one that's going to have anything dangerous in it. Of course. And, and there are therapists who do this, uh, professionals. So I would also recommend that. Yeah, and there's there's a whole landscape out there now. Like um, most of the any therapist psilocybin, the active agent in magic mushrooms, um, it's only available in therapy and in research trials at this point. It may be approved in three, four, five years, depending on results. There are underground therapists, um, you know, using this. I can't recommend that, but there are. Um, folks that legally prescribe ketamine and use it as a in, in the form of psychedelic therapy. So that's a, a related compound that actually is um, medically available. And so cl- ketamine clinics are popping up at any number of places. Wow. Okay. So is that kind of like one of one of the new things that are happening in this field as it continues to grow um, and as we see it, you know, become kind of, I guess, more so normalized in a way? Is that what's making you excited right now? Yeah, well, I mean, it's really the most exciting thing is pushing towards, you know, um, the approval of psilocybin for, and I should also say, and MDMA, which is another very promising compound um, for the treatment of these disorders, such as PTSD, depression, addiction. Um, I I think that's when um, you really, I mean, I'm particularly excited about the, the healing power of psilocybin. 
Um, I think it probably has more potential than ketamine, um, although you know ketamine has has a lot of potential and it's available right now. Okay. Well, uh, thank you again for being here today and for the work you're doing. That was Matt Johnson, professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you. You too. Now coming up, we've got what's trending this hour, why Trump has filed a lawsuit to block the National Archives. Ugh, this drama continues. That's next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Thanks for hanging out with us right here on Channel Q. We have more music coming up for you. But first, some more show. We're talking about emotional dumping. When to know if you're doing it and what to do about it. Oh my God, I just had a conversation with my therapist about this. Great. So that's in 30 minutes. Plus, more on Adele who keeps just dropping more announcements. That's in the tier report in a moment, her latest. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Since spring 2020, Minneapolis schools have been using an online surveillance application called Gaggle to spy on students' online activity. The software flags LGBTQ-related terms and has already reportedly outed at least one LGBTQ student to their parents. We actually reported about this. I don't even remember when, but I do remember reporting about these types of technologies. It's very scary. Gaggle monitors students' online behavior 24 hours a day, seven days a week, tracking their school-issued Google and Microsoft accounts. Such accounts are likely to be used more often by poor students who lack personal home computers. Minneapolis has paid more than $355,000 to partner with Gaggle until 2023. Now Trump has filed a lawsuit to block the National Archives from releasing White House records to the January 6th Select Committee, citing, of course, executive privilege. The suit names both the committee and the National Archives as defendants. It says the committee's subpoena is invalid because the committee has no power of investigation, and it says the material should be protected by his executive order. Now, of course, they requested these documents in March and August from the National Archives that it said were related to the Trump administration's actions before, during and after the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, which they would need if they were going to be investigating this and seeing what happened. But he's still trying to stop it from getting out there. And finally, the State Department's Inspector General informed Congress today that her office is opening a series of investigations into the Biden administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan. That's according to NBC News. It will focus on the State Department's special immigrant visa program, Afghans' process for refugee admission into the U.S., resettlement of Afghan refugees and visa recipients, and the emergency evacuation we all, of course, uh, remember of the U.S. Embassy in Kabul to include evacuation of U.S. citizens and Afghan nationals. So a lot of stuff to be coming out pretty soon. as this happens. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's going on in entertainment news? Okay, so Adele made another big announcement today, and we told you here first last week. Uh, It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So remember last week when we told you a holiday special was probably on the way? Well, 
Oprah Winfrey is set to interview Adele as a part of a two-hour special welcoming back the Grammy winner from her years-long break. Um, A source said this. The special will feature... Or actually, not a source. My bad. The network released a press release. I guess they're like the number one source if you're talking about a source. The special will feature an exclusive interview with um, Adele by Oprah Winfrey from her Rose Garden. And Adele's first televised wide-ranging conversation about her new album, the stories behind the songs, life after divorce, weight loss, and raising her son. Um, It's called Adele One Night Only. We'll also feature an extraordinary concert performance that includes the earliest opportunity to hear her first new material in six years. Um, This is happening November 14th. Literally, on CBS and Paramount Plus, if you got it. I'm excited about this. This is going to be fun. Yes, it is. Just to see your seat. And it also reminds me, there used to be a time back in the day, mm-hmm. not even really back in the day, probably like 2010, 20, 2006, Beyonce used to do holiday specials all the time around Thanksgiving. Oh, uh, she did like in a Vegas residency that she ended up putting out for like a Thanksgiving thing. And so I kind of miss that era of like, you know, artists doing special one-night performances around the holidays. And it's, like, not even holiday-centric, but it's just, like, you know, intimate. And so this is really exciting. Prepare to cry your eyes out. It's going to be good. Oprah and Adele. That's your tea report. Wow. Sounds awesome. Well, next up, have you decided to quit Facebook, how to migrate your online life elsewhere? We've got you covered next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Whenever there's another Facebook scandal, how many of you say, I'm done, I'm quitting Facebook? Uh, That's if you haven't done that already. I'm going to say it's a little too late if you're just now saying it. But, you know, that's true. But it can be complicated, right? I mean, I'm still on Facebook. You're on Facebook even though I know you don't like it. Uh Have you officially deleted? No, I just, I keep it there. You're not active. I'm not there. I'm not posting it So, what are you supposed to do if you're done? And where else can you go? Well, Heather Kelly is with us right now, a reporter covering the ways tech affects everyday life, from family to finances at The Washington Post. Thanks again for joining us. Anytime, guys. I like the name Heather Kelly. It's a good name. Yeah, it's legit. You know what? I kind of like it, too. I know, right? <laughs> yes. I'm like, it's a good name. <laughs> so uh, do you find this is something that comes up a lot, but no one actually bites the bullet? I mean, I'm not going to name names, but lots of people say they've left Facebook while still being completely on there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They might not like check their account as much or my personal favorite of like, I've left Facebook. I'm done with this company. You can find me on my Insta. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, guys, I've got some bad news. Um, So a lot of people just haven't really, really left Facebook. They're just like in this, like, we're, we're kind of apart phase, but we're not broken up. Okay, so what should you do if you are, like, really wanting to actually make the change? Are there other apps that you feel that you would recommend that still kind of have, like, a, I don't know, like, a Facebook when it was cool phase? Well, Facebook was cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. Um, so there's, like, a bunch of apps that replace different parts of Facebook. There's not a whole lot of Facebook out there waiting for us. But you can move your groups, say, to uh, like different platforms. You can do a Slack for whatever your group is. You can just start a group text. You can move it to Discord, which is really cool with the kids. Um, different things like that. It really depends what you're getting out of Facebook. But the very minimal thing you should do is export your list of contacts on there. Honestly, very few, if any, will have phone numbers or email addresses. But like, just take ownership of, mm. of your group of friends and who you're in contact with on there. Wait, how do you... <laughs> How do you export your contacts from Facebook? I didn't even know you could do that either. It 
It's in settings. It's kind of complicated. Um, you can navigate through there. It's, it's your Facebook information and you can back up everything you've ever done on Facebook. Um, the best feature is you can actually export all of your photos to something like Google Photos or Dropbox. Um, so you're not worried about losing those. And then you can also export your list of friends and it's literally going to be a list of just their names. So oh, you have so some not more emails research to attached do. to their Facebook accounts or anything? If, well, if, if they have it public, you'll see it, but oh. most people just don't. Well, the funny thing is a lot of like my friends that still use Facebook, they really only use it for like the memories option where like it reminds you what you posted like a year ago or like six, seven, ten years ago. And I wonder, is there like apps like that that could do that? Or is it kind of really just if you've been on the app, it'll, it'll send you a memory or an archive thing that, you know, Instagram kind of does too. So um, there is, but here's where the thing kind of comes up of like, just because it's not Facebook doesn't mean it's necessarily like a better moral choice, but Google Photos does have like a memories feature, which is very similar, except they often will have access to even more and they make little slideshows and it's pretty cool, but it's just for you. So you're not really sharing it with people. But remember that Google owns YouTube, which is also its own misinformation problem. Um, so it really depends why you're trying to leave Facebook. And you also mentioned in your article the things to do first if you're considering quitting, like things to prepare yourself. Yes. And this is really important if you're using it to like connect to older people, older family members. Like I have some bad news. There's a really small chance they're going with you. You have to kind of be ready to give up some of these connections. Like if you find it really satisfying to like look at people you went to school with and see how they're doing and check out their kids, but you literally haven't talked to them in 20 years. Um, you're, you're basically getting rid of that connection forever. Um, if you find them on Twitter, chances are they're probably like yelling about politics. And it, just, it won't be the same. Yeah. And that's the thing. I feel, I feel like a lot of people are leaving Facebook because of the misinformation and disinformation that's out there, but you really can't escape that. It's the internet, right? I mean, you could try not looking at social media all day long. I don't know how that works. Yeah. There is, I mean, there is a lot of people who get their news from Facebook, which is just not a great idea. Like they should go to a news source. It could be ours. It could be anybody's or even like the news apps. Like Apple has a news app that is way better. It actually has some filters and Google has Google News. Either of those are better than like a Facebook first news experience. Mm. All right. Well, thank you for helping us out today and many others. Do you think Facebook is done? It's over? It's a thing of it the is. past? Three billion people. Yeah. I don't think Facebook is going anywhere. That's why I think it's more important to ask them to change than force three billion people to change. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully. Hopefully uh, Mark Zuckerberg listens. Uh, that was Heather Kelly, a reporter for The Washington Post, covering uh, tech from family to finances. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Next up, are you an emotional dumper or know someone else who is? How to deal with it all next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Wow, that was some Billy Porter for you for what it's worth with our Tracy Young, right? Who we love, we've had on the show. So the, I was feeling that, getting the hype on for this Monday, the energy going. Because we're about to talk about... What does getting the hype on mean? I've created it. It's my own saying. Shira. I just getting your hype on. Never heard of that. <laughs> you know, I like to create phrases and words. They may say it on Facebook. <laughs> That's probably with someone's actual like status update. <laughs> I'm just getting the hype on. <laughs> that kind of sounds good when you say it again. Oh no, it doesn't. I kind of like it. Well, I'll never say it again. I'm gonna tweet that and be like, "What do you guys think?" All right. <laughs> we want to talk about something. Uh, we we saw this on the reel. They saw it on Talk Space. All about emotional dumping. 
Is it okay to emotionally dump on your partner specifically? Ooh. First, I guess it would be uh, to discuss this like context. What is emotional dumping? It's basically when you just like dump, dump your emotions. Everything. Yeah, it's pretty self explanatory. Thank you. Let's talk about this because I'm I'm dating someone new, right? <laughs> yes. And finally, they are, finally. Well, I know nice. I've been lonely. <laughs> I know. You don't have to repeat it. Um, no, but yeah, I'm dating someone and I feel like I've I've entered, we both, well, I've entered into his life where pivotal things have kind of happened. He's like going through grief. He's going through changes. Like things have happened, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like we've connected very quickly mm-hmm. um, where we just, you know, just, we just have a really good chemistry and the emotions are there. The feelings are there. It's nice. It's I'm, it's really, really enjoyable. For sure it's refreshing. But there's one thing that I, I actually talked to my therapist about this weekend about sometimes how I do feel some of the emotional baggage of like him just kind of like reliving things and going through some stuff mm. where like I'll feel like he's just talking to me about his experience. But I think for someone who is not as open about my own emotions or and I haven't really done that, it can be a little bit a lot. And yeah. I was starting to see it as a red flag. Mm. And I was like, oh, it's becoming a little too much. It's too, too many emotions too soon. Yeah. And so I had this whole conversation with her on Saturday about uh-huh. this. Because she knows I'm obviously she she knows me she knows that I'm uh-huh. private, um, but she didn't think of it as a red flag because she's like you can't think of this as a moment that's just going to exist all the time because it's not. But I do think it's important to and we talked about this setting your boundaries around. Well, how about we not talk about this all the time? And she said I she gave me really actually good. Um, techniques of like doing it of kind of like instead of trying to abruptly change the situation yeah more so kind of like call him in or being like well if we're together let's take a walk like let's like do something that that. you know it it one allows him to take a deep breath and kind of refocuses himself and then that also gives me a break of like not having to like also like tell him that oh I don't want you to talk about this because that can impact someone where they'll change with you and I'm like I don't want him to change with yeah, me yeah they'll close up yeah. break down yeah, yeah not feel safe mm-hmm. all that that's yeah. you have a good therapist thank you yeah She's I mean great. my my partner will sometimes do that with me where I'll, if I'm going on a spiral of more negativity venting yeah he'll go okay tell me some one good thing that happened today right right <laughs> I think that's really important and because I feel safe with him I don't look at it like oh you're being an a-hole or yeah. F-U, I'm like, thank you. I know you're looking out for the best of me, and I know I am going on a spiral mm-hmm. right now, and yeah. I, and you have perspective. I don't, because yeah. I'm living my own life. So I think that that is really uh, good. I also think, yeah, that's what therapy is for, right? Your partner really is. isn't your therapist. Your partner gives you perspective. Because your partner turn, is there to support. It's the thing where it's the balance of, like, you want to be there for your partner in every way, but when it starts to feel like you're kind of babying or parenting your parents in a way that's when the sexiness goes out the window and you're like oh i don't think i want to sleep with you anymore because now i'm just i'm like your 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 babysitter or like your you know it it, it becomes like the roles change of some sort well there's also this this dynamic that's created for a lot of us it's like the hero dynamic like i'm gonna save this person right if they're with me oh i'm gonna like change them like to be clear, you can't change someone. They have to change themselves if they want to. Yeah. Right? Like, you can't fall in love with the dream of someone. 
you got to fall in love with who they are now. Oh, yeah, it's true. Because so many of us, work, we're like working up to this place and we're constantly disappointed. So like these are all these things we could fall into. But going back to emotional um, dumping, I think it is important to have a space that is safe for you to to share. And usually that is a, a professional. There's and, a balance to it, though. And there's a balance, yeah. And, and knowing when it's impacting your partner, having that self-awareness to see, is this bringing my partner down? I mean, I've definitely been in previous relationships or moments in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm in a low-grade depression. Mm. I'm crying a lot. I know I'm not like fun cheer to be with right now. And that's hard because in the end, like as a partner, you got to be there through every moment. Right. And that's also a bit of a test of the partnership. Like, will you be there through the ups and downs? Well, let's talk about not only partnerships, but let's talk about friendships and how that impacts. Yes. Let's do it. I'm next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We've been talking about emotional dumping when it happens with your partner, but what do you do if it's coming up in your friendship? Woo! That's awkward. Well, I'll I'll get going on this because I'll I'll say I'm guilty of overdumping in a friendship. <laughs> emotional dumping. I think wow. I've definitely worked on it and gotten better. Yeah. And for me, I mean even even here I think it it, it for me, it was almost like a way of connecting, right? I would overshare sometimes in my life as a way to connect. And people tend to do that. Um, who ha- It's a trauma response in a way, unfortunately. And if, if, you, if you've been that person, you're oversharing to create a connection. Yeah. Right? Because you want people to like you and you think that's the way they're going to like you or something like that, yeah, which is strange. Yeah, really people are freaked out of that. Yeah, it's just really like what will scare people away. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, there are those moments, I don't, uh, and sometimes you'll actually be emotionally dumping. Sometimes you're just uh, have social anxiety, right? And you haven't even shared that much, but you're like, did I did I share too much right now? You know what I do mean? Do you ever think that? Oh yeah. Oh, you do? Because I have anxiety. Yeah, I know that, but I always wonder, do you ever really think that? Because yeah, it's I do. just like you still do I, it. I think that. <laughs> I think that more with new people, strangers, like people that I've come to know, I I have a longstanding relationship with, I'll think that a bit less. Mm. But typically, yeah, that that comes up more in newer dynamics or like random encounters that become like uh, a new girl moment. Yeah. Right? See, I'm I'm the whole other spectrum where I don't share enough to the point where I think it uh, hurts to the moment of like actually curating and 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 having a vulnerable relation like a friendship or relationship with someone. Yeah, it hurts intimacy. Yeah, yeah, cuz if you're if you were always taught that that is something that could be used against you, Ooh, that is yep. the that's the last thing you want to do, but as I've gotten older and I'm starting to realize the importance of just like vulnerability and kind of allowing people to see you for that and if they want to be around still great, if they don't then they make that decision, but that's not on like a reflection of you. I think for me, I'm still working on that. I'm still understanding. Um, I'm still understanding the power of like, okay, no, you can open up. You can mm-hmm. you can open up about your triggers and why you reacted a certain way or why you felt a certain way about that. And if people will understand you, they won't hold it against you. They won't like it. Won't be like this this stain on y'all's mm, relationship because yeah. that's sometimes how I I I view it. Like. I can I I want our like I want a friendship to be so great and so perfect, but like you know that's if not, it's not real. Yeah, that's like a fake. 
Then Faux it's not friendship. real. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And there's uh, there's beauty in vulnerability. I mean, look at Brene Brown's TED Talk. It's all about vulnerability. And, you know, she's an expert Are you on just that. a millennial white woman that just quoted <laughs> Brene Brown? Yes, pretty what much. What peak millennial white so, woman? Uh, so here's the thing. I think, yeah, both extremes come yeah. from trauma. So what do you do about it? What What's helped me, and this is all, you know, what I can share, is, one, definitely having those safe spaces outside of work or outside your friendship circles, whether it be, yeah, your partner or a mental health professional to do it. Also, it's all about time and place. Like sometimes it's not about you. It's not not about you sharing. It's about maybe now's not the right time. Yes. Right. Read the room. Read the room. And then also sometimes asking, hey, I have something to share that I'm having a hard time with. Is this the right time? And not taking that personally if it isn't. Right. Those are boundaries that you get to set for yourself, the people around you, and allows someone to be ready and open to help versus not. And then you judge them and like you create a whole story around like, well, you know, it didn't work out. Well, did you set yourself yeah. up for success? But, you know, a lot of all of this stuff, and you can listen to this conversation and take what you want from it. But a lot of it is really easier said than done. Right. Oh, and totally. Like, it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of mistakes because I know for me, like. I'll I'll feel all of this and feel like I'm headed in the right direction and something will trigger and and then I I'll completely forget all of totally. this like valued information. So like it's just all about constantly trying there and tra- constantly understanding and knowing and in reading the room of like maybe I'm doing a little too much. All you can do is try. You want to only do just enough. Yeah, and just be kind to yourself along the way. Yeah. It's, it, it's not about perfection. It's about just you're a work in progress. We all are until basically we die. Well, next up. What a way to end on death. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Burlington High School in Vermont put their own spin on their football's halftime show with a drag show. Oh, I love that. Yes, it is uh, super cute. And they basically had a bunch of performers, approximately 30 performers, that had their moment moment to spin and twirl for the crowd. They also performed a lip sync to Rainbow Rain by Todd Hall. And according to the student leader of the Gender Sexuality Alliance, Ezra Totten, they said things went amazing. The stands were completely packed. It was just so heartwarming to see. The drag ball was the brainchild of their English teacher, Andrew Lavalli, an advisor to the Gender Sexuality Alliance, who said, I was just really hoping to give our students who are both out and the students that were in the stands who are not out a moment to shine and feel loved and know there is a place for them in public schools. That is what I'm talking about. Texas, this is just like, you know, one thing you could be doing Mm -hmm. out of many things. A lot of other states and schools should be looking at this as a great example, but of course, happening in Vermont. Uh, They get our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And that does it for our show today as well, but we are back tomorrow weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We've always got of course, some great music and beats, but great stories. We're highlighting important leaders in the community, inc- including Brandon Farbstein, whose mission is to make disability inclusion mainstream, especially in the LGBTQ community. Uh, he'll be joining us on the show tomorrow. Uh, plus, we're going to talk more about the Netflix rally There are employees that are going to be protesting tomorrow. So we've got you covered right here on the show on Wednesday, actually, I think. 
Sorry, we're going to cover it tomorrow, though. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There with Sheer and Ryan. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.